Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists, and food makers, farmers, authors, and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good Sunday to you, food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. I'm making food come alive in multiple ways every week right here. From dinner brainstorms to the current climate and scope of the wide world of food, we celebrate everything delectable on this show. I also cover trends and health, wellness, travel, the wine world, and more. So get comfortable and listen in because we're relishing everything from homemade vinegar to New Mexico hatch chilies this hour, and it is my goal to feed your soul. You can always find me serving up seconds at chefjamie.com, and my daily dish is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. Summer is in full swing, right? There are so many grand foods to savor this season. The fresh sweet berries, the picnics by the beach, oh, ice cream desserts galore, and of course, the beauty of a killer cocktail on the patio. And we do want to savor it, right? Well, I say, then pickle it. If you know me or you've listened for a while, then you know that I love pickles. And I know you do too, because I recently posted a quick pickle recipe after uh, coming back from a farmer's market one weekend, and I got an influx of requests for more pickling advice. I love anything pickled, by the way. It could be carrots or cauliflower, zucchini. I especially love pickled red onions. And if you were to peek into my refrigerator, which, by the way, you're welcome over anytime, you will always find a mason jar of something pickled that is homemade. I think they make a beautiful host or hostess gift as well. It's a really wonderful, uh, creative way to make a culinary craft of sorts. Um, I learned to make pickles because my mom makes luscious pickles, especially from zucchini. Uh, I make pickled red onions very often, as I mentioned. And by the way, I keep them on hand, especially during the summer, for burgers right off the grill, or a, a barbecued pork roast, or sandwiches, or a cheese and meat board if I'm going the no-cook route. I actually think that the pickle craze continues because the the bright often sweet, always savory snacks are the perfect condiment. They add sweet, sour, zesty, tangy to a multitude of dishes. And in just a half hour, you have a crunchy splash of color on your dinner salad, tacos, potato salad, sandwiches, quinoa, Sunday night roast chicken, grilled flank steak. Okay, that's enough making myself hungry. They last for weeks in the fridge in a mason jar, those pickles. And you always look like a culinary hero when you pull them out and say, voila, no one knows how simple they are. They're really nice on a grilled cheese sandwich too. So as you can evidently see, I am totally obsessed with all things pickled. Every culture around the world has its very own traditional pickle rooted in a need for preservation. And though we now have refrigerators, our love for pickles goes on. The pickle is all about the brine. But I say mix it up, spice it up, herb it up in so many ways. And if your garden is overflowing or you have a produce galore and your refrigerator is brimming with color, now is the time to put some up or put it up and can away to your heart's content. So if you have a slightly aging cauliflower in your produce bin, during the winter you would roast it. During the summer, you pickle it. 
If those zucchini are robust, pickle them. And maybe you bought a bag of those Persian or also called pickling cucumbers and your salads have just had enough. Make dill pickles because in 24 hours, you will be reaping the rewards of very limited labor. You can pickle it. So here are a few tips to get your creative juices flowing. First, I recommend that you consider the crunch. You do want to choose vegetables or even fruits that are naturally firm. The fresher they are, the crisper they are because as they age, they lose water, they become softer. So you can't use anything that is aging so much so, but you can salvage things. And if you're using that, you know, slightly aging zucchini, but it's still firm, trim off the edges and the ends before pickling. Now, I also suggest you think smaller. There's no rule against pickling produce whole, like when you get a whole dill pickle, but if you cut it up into wedges or pieces or spears, you definitely get a quicker pickle. It absorbs the brine faster. And then I say, look beyond the traditional. I mean, I love a kosher dill at a Jewish deli, but there is a world of produce out there. And if you've never made a pickled corn salsa, or if you've not pickled cherries or even blackberries, which I did last week, or watermelon rind, there is definite area to be explored. Now, you need to first make the brine. It's what seasons and preserves. Without the brine, the vegetable never elevates to pickle status. And a good brine has the proper ratio of vinegar, salt, sugar, and water. And it's a very basic and standard formula. And yes, I will make sure it's posted at chefjamie.com and at chefjamiegwen, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, yada, yada. But I will say, it's easy to remember. It's one cup of vinegar to two tablespoons of salt, two teaspoons of sugar, two teaspoons of spices. Now, the standard is distilled white vinegar, and the standard should be kosher salt and granulated sugar. The spices are up to you. Peppercorns, coriander, mustard seeds, fresh dill, dried dill, you pick it. You need two cups of water to add or dilute that mixture as well. You bring it up to a boil And you pour it over the vegetables that you've stuffed into jars. And 24 to 48 hours later, you are a pickle genius. Now, let me say that in my kitchen, I like to mix it up. And you should make your pickles to suit your palate. So I happen to love rice wine vinegar. And I actually cheat it with seasoned rice wine vinegar. I do add water, extra sugar, and salt. And I tend to use it in place of distilled white vinegar because I think it has far more personality. Now, red wine vinegar works well if you have a big bottle on hand. And by the way, if you mix the two, you get what I call rosé pickles. And they're delicious and they're oh so pretty. And they sound very fancy. So really, the sky is the limit. And then you can add your favorite ethnic influence, of course. You could make your pickles Korean, like by adding gochujang, the Korean chili paste, for heat. Make the Middle Eastern, add cumin for smokiness, za'atar for brightness. The powder will dissipate in the brine. You could make your pickles Indian-inspired and add curry. Ooh, like uh, curry-pickled mango slices with grilled chicken for dinner tomorrow night, for sure. But back to the easy pickled red onions that I mentioned Well, don't fret, because if you don't like raw onions, the homemade pickle variety of pickled red onions are not oniony. In fact, it's all about the sweetness and the crunch to me. And you simply peel a sweet red onion, you cut it in half, and then slice half moons, 
And I blanch the red onion briefly so it mellows the flavor. Boiling water 30 seconds into an ice bath. And then I use the rice wine vinegar that I mentioned or raspberry vinegar. I add enough sugar or agave or honey. You can use a sugar substitute so I get a nice balance. And then I like to add a garlic clove, peppercorns. Sometimes I go crazy with a slice of jalapeno. Or if you have red pepper flakes or fennel seeds, how about a a peeling of uh, fresh orange or some citrus or fresh thyme or rosemary, whatever tickles your fancy. But anything pickled, bring it over because I could sit happily uh, with a cocktail and a meat and cheese board and a variety of pickles and be a very happy camper come later this Sunday afternoon. Now, I will post more pickle recipes on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen, but you can email me. You're welcome to anytime, and I will send you a a bevy of inspiration and insight so that you can brine your heart out. My email address gets you to me directly. It's Jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com. And in food news this week... Bon Appetit has picked Chicago as this year's best restaurant city. Yes, the magazine and online food world reporter, Bon Appetit, has chosen Chicago as its third annual restaurant city of the year. Last year's title went to Washington, D.C., thanks to Jose Andres, and the inaugural winner was San Francisco, thanks to great Chinese food, Um, and Really interestingly enough, uh, the best of the best restaurants in Chicago, some of which you know, some of which you don't, or you might not, or maybe you are a fine food lover and you know all of them. Alinea, of course, Grant Ackett's, you heard him on this show, uh, the famed Chicago restaurant, The Publican, Income Tax, great name, uh, Smith, to name a few, all cutting-edge restaurants with really tremendously talented chefs in Chicago continuing to make a name for the food scene. But have you heard of Chef David Park? There is this standout in the International Mall in Westmont, Illinois, which is 22 miles from downtown Chicago, and I have not yet been. And Right in the middle of the food hall, essentially, uh, is this place called Hanbin, and it is a hidden gem. David Park and his fiancée, Jennifer Tran. David is an extraordinarily uh, talented, professionally trained chef. At lunchtime, it's like a food stand. He serves uh, bimibop and rice cakes and bulgogi. In the evening, he throws down a white tablecloth and he serves a single group of six diners a seven-course meal that is reflective of his Korean upbringing. And I'm telling you, he's getting more acclaim than some of the fine dining spots in Chicago. The dinners are so popular, he's booked through the end of his lease in May 2018. That's next year. But there's no doubt he will venture somewhere else and it will become a destination. So check it out. Bon Appetit's best restaurant city of the year information posted on their website and let me know when you uh, travel to Chicago or if you live there or if you happen to be lucky enough uh, to live in Westmont Illinois I want to know how hand bun is I really do and please do not touch your dial because if you are a pickle fanatic or uh, a very vinegar lover well then that conversation it continues yes We're all about vinegar revival. See, now the whole pickling thing makes sense, right? Harry Rosenblum is joining us next, and he will teach you how to make your own homemade 
vinegars. Plus, before the end of the hour, Chef Ida Rodriguez is sitting down to dish on this year's Hatch Chili season, and you won't want to miss the hot conversation. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. I'm glad you're listening. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. If food is your fetish, well, then I can supply the tools. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. So you have at least one bottle of vinegar in your pantry. I know you do. But have you ever made your own vinegar? Well, the next frontier in fermenting and home brewing is vinegar, an essential ingredient which I love and that does enhance so many dishes. It's super easy to make your own vinegar, so says Harry Rosenblum. All you need is a bottle of your favorite alcoholic beverage, a starter, and a few weeks of hands-off, walk-away time. Harry is a pickling fanatic and the owner of The Brooklyn Kitchen, a cooking school. He's also the author of the just-released cookbook that is a truly fabulous education and a grand read. It's entitled Vinegar Revival, and he is here to share how that wonderfully bright, full of acid ingredient makes everything come alive with flavor. I'm very glad to meet you, Harry. Welcome. Thanks, Jamie. Great to be here. Yes, of course. Okay, could you help us understand vinegar first to kick off the conversation? Because I I like that historical background info that you start the book with. Um, I mean, vinegar is a is really an age old ingredient. Um, it occurs naturally, uh, you know, all around us. Wherever mm-hmm. there is sugar, that wild yeasts land and convert that sugar into alcohol. Right behind those yeast cells are Acetobacter bacteria, which will then land and convert that alcohol into acetic acid, which is what we know as vinegar. I think it's interesting, though, and ironic, because you use the word bacteria, and it has such a negative connotation. But these are, <laughs> these are good bacteria, and in fact, I mean, medicinally and, and health-wise, we've seen, of course, continuing conversation about drinking a tablespoon of, you know, the all-natural apple cider vinegar for digestion and otherwise. It is good bacteria, right? It's, it's the good stuff you should be eating. Yeah, we, you know, we rely as humans on uh, bacteria for lots of things, not least of which is all the pickles that we know and love. <laughs> when you make sauerkraut, you're relying on bacteria to convert that cabbage into and produce lactic acid, lacto, lactobacillus is the particular bacteria. And the same thing is true uh, in the case of vinegar. It's a good bacteria that's making things acidic and helping preserve them and making them more healthy. So share with us, because you've been making homemade vinegars for a long time, the process, demystify it if you would. And is it really leaps and bounds beyond any bottle of gourmet vinegar we can buy in a specialty store? By and large, yes. I find that you can make better vinegar at home than most of what you can buy in the store. Now, you know, to be fair, there is there are vinegars like excellent balsamic or aged sherry vinegars Mm. that I do not recommend you try and make at home. But wine vinegars, for instance, or apple cider vinegar, or my favorite, which is malt vinegar, which is made from beer, you can find good ones on the shelf. But in gourmet stores, they're pretty pricey for the real ones. And at home, for the price of a decent bottle of wine, and I don't mean, you know, I'm, I, I love good wine, but I'm not, I don't mean $100, for a $10, $15 bottle of wine, 
you can produce a liter and a half of excellent red wine vinegar at home. Okay, so teach us how, please, because I yeah. think the the culinary connoisseurs who are listening to the show are thinking, because I, I ran down what you need. You need a bottle of, uh, like you said, 10 to $15 reasonably good wine or beer. Uh, you need a starter, that's the mother, and a few weeks of time. Well, we have a few weeks of time and a bottle of wine, but where are you going to find the mother? So you can find the mother uh, from certain online sources. Uh, you can ask a friend. If you're making kombucha already, then you have bacteria already in mm. your mother. It's the same bacteria that is part of that scoby there we go. when you're making kombucha. Or you can use some raw vinegar. So, you know, in nationally known brands like Bragg's are a raw vinegar and do have live bacteria in the bottle. So here's my process. I would say grab, you know, a bottle of wine or the leftovers from last night's wine. In the case of wine, you do want to water it down a little bit. The bacteria doesn't really like any starter alcohol that's above 9%. Okay. So if your wine, you know, you, you know, let's say your wine is 13%, you could water it down in half. So you could double the amount of liquid that you have, and you'll be right about, you know, 6 6.5% alcohol. Pour in a couple of ounces of your raw vinegar, uh, whether you've got vinegar or toss in your piece of your mother, which is that cellulose raft at the top. Uh, that you'll see in something like a kombucha, and put it in a jar, leave it open. This is really important. The bacteria cannot survive without oxygen, just like you and me. So you need to leave it open to the air, but I, I do recommend that you put a piece of cheesecloth, a piece of an old T-shirt, a rag, a paper towel, something over the top of that jar, and seal it with a rubber band. That'll keep flies, dust, uh, you know, inquisitive pets out of it, <laughs> and then put it away. Put it in the cabinet over your refrigerator, Leave it in the back of your cabinet. Uh, my first couple batches of vinegar I made in my boiler room, uh, you know, where it was nice and warm, and sort of forget about it and check on it in a couple of weeks. And you should, if you take a look in there and you take a whiff, it should start to smell like vinegar. Um, and you can start to taste it after, you know, a week or two. And usually it'll be done in, you know, four to six weeks, sometimes longer, sometimes shorter, depending on. Uh, environmental factors like how warm it is and what you started with and how strong your mother is. I want to make vanilla vinegar next. Oh, that's a great one. Oh, yes. A supple vanilla bean, you say, is essential. Yes. And so all the the seeds and the beauty of the vanilla seep into the vinegar. What applications do you use it with? I have fantasies of, of dishes. I, I'm, I'm pan sauteing trout with almonds and deglazing with vanilla vinegar in my mind. Oh, that sounds that sounds great. Well, I'll come over for lunch. Okay, you're welcome anytime. The uh, the vanilla vinegar was a was actually a, an idea that uh, I got from a wonderful old uh, vanilla extract maker in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, called Baldwin's. Hmm. They've been there for over a hundred years, and they make a vanilla infused vinegar, which I'd never seen until I visited their shop some years ago, and just thought it was such a wonderful product. I honestly I love putting it over over ice with seltzer. <gasps> um, it makes a delicious warming kind of... Uh, like know, a digestive. Yeah, absolutely. Love uh, it. And, and what you want is you want to make sure you split the vanilla bean because ultimately I, I personally love to then scrape out all the seeds and I take the, the stalk, of, you know, the, the bean shell out. Um, but I love to shake it up because then you get the seeds in there as well when you're drinking it. Yeah, there's something brilliant about that. Harry, I don't want to let you go. Will you please stay with us so we can dish on vinegar some more? Happy to keep talking about it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Please don't go anywhere. And of course, don't touch your dial because Harry Rosenblum is here and he is bringing us a vinegar revival. You'll want to know more. Stay tuned. There's more fabulous food in your radio. Be right back.
We're back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio with author Harry Rosenblum. The new book release entitled Vinegar Revival. As we talk about the good acidic stuff, we're going way beyond mere eating and drinking here. We just made vanilla vinegar. You've made your own never-ending vinegar because as Harry says, yes, it does taste so much better than the store-bought bottled kind. But Harry, I want to take a step back. Even though you are making your own, there is a use or many uses, in fact, for that big gallon of white vinegar that you, that you can buy. Absolutely. And, it, and it's made the same, you know, the same bacteria are making that vinegar as you would be using at home because it really is kind of an omnipresent thing. Yes. So enlighten us to the many uses, because if we're making our own homemade vinegar now and we've become vinegar aficionados, we have to use up what we bought in the past. And I love when you share understanding vinegar in that first chapter. There are some great ideas for using the store-bought version. Sure. I mean, the the store-bought white distilled vinegar is still a great ingredient for pickles. Almost all the commercially available pickles that you buy on the shelf are made with that vinegar, and they taste great. So, you know, you can certainly use it to, use it to pickle something. The other nice thing about uh, store-bought vinegar is that with your homemade vinegar, while it may be delicious, you may not want to invest in testing the pH or the acid percentage. And mm-hmm. for shelf-stable pickling, that is, a, that is somewhat important. So I think that, you know, you may want to stick to using distilled white vinegar for your pickles that you're going to put up in your, in your pantry and right. then use six months from now. And you may want to stick to fridge pickles with your homemade stuff. Um, I also love using white vinegar for other things around the house. Um, I have two kids. One is eight and one is almost four. We make vinegar volcanoes uh, all the time. <laughs> of course you do. And exciting. Yes. Uh, you know, you take about a quarter cup of baking soda, put it in a j- small jar, add some red food coloring, or maybe you want a blue volcano, you can use blue instead. And if you pour a cup of white vinegar right into that jar, it'll erupt all over the place. I would definitely do that outside. I was just going to say, the the lava experimentation happens outside. Absolutely. Yes, for sure. And then it is used as a cleaning solution, and one that is safe for kids and pets and otherwise, and it's 50-50 vinegar to water, right? And I know many people that clean their wood floors and their granite countertops and more with it. Yeah, I prefer to use a 50-50 if, you know, if, if something is really soiled. Um, you know, sometimes when, when washing really dirty clothes or if I have a rug that the, you know, that the pet had an accident on, <laughs> I might use it full strength. Um, but yeah, 50-50 I find to be a great one for that. It also, ants don't like it. Um, so I find whenever I see a, a trail of ants in the kitchen, I'll just spray some 50-50 vinegar along where they've been walking, and they usually don't come back. I didn't know that. Thank you for that tip. I read it. I got very excited in the privacy of my own office. I went and made a 50-50 solution and um, sprayed everywhere I could find. Really smart. Really, really smart. Okay, let's talk pickles for a minute. You thrive on pickles, right? I mean, man cannot live on pickles alone. But you, no, but you, but you are. Can, a, but you can eat a lot of them. Yes, I was going to say, but you are a pickle expert. So, is your dill pickle your prized work of art, or what is your best pickle? Because so I, would, I can't take credit for the dill pickle recipe in the book. The dill pickle recipe actually comes from my good friend Bob McClure of McClure's Pickles. Yeah, that's uh, a good friend to have. Detroit and 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 here in Brooklyn. Um, good and friend. That's actually, his grandmother's recipe, and I couldn't think of a oh. more perfect one, so I had to include that one in the book. Unbelievable. Uh, pickled beets, pickled eggs. Ooh, pickled fennel. Yeah, the pickled fennel one uh, is one that I love. I love fennel, um, especially you know when 
when we when we get it. And I find that fennel is one of those vegetables that, when it's available at the market this time of year, it's really it's perfect. Mm. And you you know we live in a world where you can get fennel anytime you want. But I, the idea of buying fennel in February or March, at least on the East Coast, I know you guys out there in California, mm. you're living large with the great produce all year round. But we're in the spoiled. Northeast, we're not. No. And so I love to I love to pickle it because this really you know it's super savory. It has some cardamom in the recipe there. Um, and you know, I love this one for the for the depth and the richness yes. of that flavor. And it's sort of it's not exactly in the you know it, it's not Indian, it's not in curry, but the cardamom really lends a nice depth to it. And then the uh, multitude of recipes in vinegar revival, each one more scrumptious than the next. I love that when it comes to cooking with vinegar, you share some really unique and and new inspiration. So I never thought to steam squash over vinegar, but uh, kabucha, acorn, as we come into the fall season, even with that vanilla vinegar that we talked about, because oh, yeah. I learned a long time ago in culinary school that water has no flavor. Yep, right? absolutely. And that's one of, the, one of the reasons that, you know, that that recipe was one I wanted to include is that people, you know, we, people talk about steamed vegetables and lots of people are eating healthy and, and, you know, you can steam other things over it as well. I mean, you know, steamed broccoli, if, you know, if you don't overcook it, I think is really wonderful, but you should steam it over vinegar. It's going to be so much more flavorful. Vinegar Revival shows you how to use homemade or store-bought vinegar to great effect. Everything from mint vinegar juleps that Harry makes to homemade dill pickles and balsamic ice cream. Whether you want to experiment with home brewing, maybe you want to just add a little zing to your meals that's missing, uh, this new book will set you on your way. It's really a well-done work. Congratulations to you, Harry. Thanks so much, Jamie. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you today. It's my pleasure. Thank you. And I know this is your first book of many, so you are welcome back anytime. Stay tuned. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. I'll be right back. You've tuned in to the hottest culinary conversation on the radio. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen here. Hatch chili hot, to be specific. Yes, the hatch chili season has started for 2017, and Melissa's produce is celebrating. Today, we're dishing all about the famed hatch chili. I'm very proud to have Melissa's as my produce partner here on the radio for so many years. Fresh, tart, sweet, and in season, Melissa's delivers the best fruits and vegetables to a supermarket near you all across the country or even to your front door worldwide. So Melissa's has always been hot for Hatch, and they were the first to spread the love. New Mexico is chili heaven and a mecca to chili heads who gather at the Hatch Chili Festival each year. To share the virtues of this prized chili, Melissa's corporate chef, Ida Rodriguez, is here, and I love it when you stop by. Hi, Ida. Hi, Jamie. Thank you for having me again. Yes, thank you for being back, of course. So how is the season looking? The season is looking really good. It's ready. It's ready. We'll start this week. Uh, Actually, we start last week. We had some roastings, but they will go into full bloom this week and going on through the middle of September. Fabulous. Okay, let's go back for a bit because I think it's always an important recap. The Hatch Chili has grown in popularity so much so that it's sort of fawned after now, but it is... 
been been very well known as like the designer chili, and you've been to Hatch, so yes, I have, tell us. And, and you're absolutely right. It is a designer chili. I think for the reason that it is the only chili that you can actually choose to buy mild, medium, hot, or extra hot. So it's got its unique flavor, which everybody loves, but not everybody likes heat. So you can buy the mild and enjoy the flavor without the heat or get the really, really hot stuff. And there used to be just a couple of choices. It used to be mild or spicy. And now because of technology and and the beauty of our ever-evolving food world, there are multiple hatch chili heat levels to choose from. Correct. And a lot of the places where the supermarkets where you'll find the chilies, they used to mainly carry only mild and hot because that was the two extremes people would choose. Right. But I think the others have always been available, not so much um, of them, but now as they're becoming more and more popular and more people know about them, they're bringing out the other flavor intensity or the heat intensity, and you're finding them more and more available. There's only a very small area where these hatch chilies are uh, regulated and, uh, you know, have to come from by by rules and otherwise, right? So it is prized because the season is short and they're few and far between to come by. They have to be grown in Hatch, New Mexico, in the valley there. And they are only grown for six weeks out of the year. So it's very similar to an Anaheim chili that grows year-round out of California, but it doesn't have anywhere near the same characteristic as when they're grown in hatch. For the main reason is because it gets so hot during the day and it cools off at night. Mm -hmm. So that, it takes the chili a lot longer to grow. And it's able to get thicker. If you've ever compared the two, the Anaheim chili is very thin and the Hatch chili is very thick and hearty. And I love that texture, by the way. That's what everyone loves about Hatch. Right. It has a lot of body to your recipes. Yeah. It's like the ultimate chili relleno, right? Exactly. That is originally (laughs) how they started. The reason people use other chilies, the poblanos or whatnots, is because they're available year-round. It's a substitute. Right. Uh, yes. Ultimately, the best chili for, to make chili rellenos is the hatch because mm. it's so thick and um, sturdy, so you're able to really stuff it well. Right. And they're longer, yes. so you're, you've got a nicer um, chili relleno when you use them. So, But the, if, I guess you could say the bad thing about them is they're only available for six weeks out of the year. Ida Rodriguez of Melissa's Produce. You and me, more on hatch chilies right after this. Hatch Chili Season 2017 is off to a great start. Chili heads unite. We're dishing. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, and Chef Ida Rodriguez of Melissa's Produce is here. The last bag in your freezer (laughs) from like three weeks ago, right before the new season started. Right. It's hot. It's really hot. So they get hotter Over the year that you've stored them because the water evaporates and therefore the flavor... is more intense. Correct. So they seem a lot hotter than when you first put them in. Yes. So I like to to go through my stash through the year 
and start fresh every season with a new batch. Yeah, but the flavor does compound. I have to say that last bag is really prized. And then it sort of builds up the excitement for the new season. Right. So that you, really you can start over. really want to you're afraid to run out. Right. <laughs> Double-edged sword. Um, yeah. <laughs> share some new recipe inspiration. Every year you're, you're making something new. I actually, I mean, you know I'm a Hatch fan, and I'm spoiled rotten because... One of the things I love about this evolution of Melissa's Hatch chilies is now you're roasting them for us. Over the past some years, um, you started locally in Southern California where Melissa's is based and you and I as well. And now it's become national Hatch chili roastings. Yes, we're we're having roastings all over in New York, Florida, St. Louis. Throughout the country, love it. They're, they're, uh, and you can go to melissas. dot com and see the schedule of where they'll be roasting. Right. And the beauty of it is, you buy your case of chilies, and they will roast them for you right then and there. It takes about ten minutes to roast them, and then you can take them home and bag them and save them for the rest of the year. Otherwise, you can purchase uh, a small amount if you want and take them home fresh, and you can roast them either on your barbecue in the oven, on top of the uh, stove stove. with the um, gas flame. Yes. So uh, you you could do them yourself, but it's really nice to have them do the whole case for you at the stores. Yeah, it's fabulous. And it's a big, huge barrel roaster, and it's like a hatch chili party every time. Exactly. It's It's a show. You really need to go. And the smell is incredible. It's amazing. And they're all You get out of your car in the parking lot and all you smell is the roasting chilies. It's amazing. And it's an amazing convenience. They're all roasted for you. You take them home and then, you know, you you start conjuring up and dreaming of all the applications. What you're going to make. Yeah. It's an amazing chili. People use them in in breakfast items, uh, side dishes, main dishes. All right, so what are you making this year? This year, uh, well, I just started with my classes to do the, the hatch chilies. Yes. And I'm really into the desserts. This, oh, su- this sweet year, yeah. and spicy. Yes. yes. I love to make a vanilla ice cream with and hatch. added some really spicy. So you get the sweetness and you get the spiciness. Oh, I love that. Um, also, uh, we are now also selling the chili ground up. Oh, in so the powder form. In the powder form, but we have the red and the green. So the the red is made with when the chilies are dried, they turn red and then they make the red powder, or they're actually uh, drying the green ones green and making green chili powder. I will no doubt uh, relish this year's hatch chili season. And I thank you, as always, for sharing inspiration. I will see you at a roasting. And yes, then I can't wait to come over and taste all the wonderful things that you're making. I look forward to it. So glad you had me and able to share my hatch. Yes, your hatch passion. Yes. (laughs) For sure. She is Chef Ida Rodriguez, corporate chef for Melissa's produce. They deliver the world of produce directly to your door. Of course, in your supermarket, all the best and most beautiful fruits and vegetables have a Melissa's logo. You'll see it. The carrot is the eye in Melissa's. So look for it by name. And of course, go to melissas.com so that you can get your hatch chili fix and find a national roasting location near you. The cookbook is called Melissa's Hatch Chili Cookbook, and it is chock full of fabulous recipes from a truly phenomenal talent that is Chef Ida, as mentioned. And uh, Chili Heads Unite, because it is Hatch Chili season. It is here, and we are heating it up. Ida, thank you again. I'll see you soon. 
You're welcome, Jamie. Thank you. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of delicious conversation and inspiration. I am all about fabulous food. No matter whether you love to cook or love to eat, we should definitely be friends. And you should definitely tune in every Sunday to this show. You can always find podcasts of shows you might have missed on iTunes under Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen and recipes and more at chefjamie.com. I'll leave you with my last bite for the hour, my last ounce or tidbit of gastronomic inspiration. Have you heard of cloud bread? Me neither. Okay, but you're going to want to listen closely right now. It's heaven, literally, because it's bread with no carbs. I saw this recipe posted. I didn't believe it. I had to try it. And let me tell you, it was delicious. The cloud bread is soft, airy, fluffy. It sort of melts in your mouth. It uh, simulates bread, but it is a replacement that is practically carb-free, gluten-free, and very high in protein. If you're on a no-carb eating journey at the moment, um, then I am your new best friend. And the recipe will make it easy not to crave bread because I found it very satisfying. It can be uh, used for a sandwich. Uh, You can put uh, fresh mozzarella and a slice of tomato on it. You could use it as a substitute for a slice of toast or a bagel in the morning. It um, has high value. It's a great snack. And it's just not hard to make. You take three eggs, a few tablespoons of cream cheese, just a wee bit of honey, cream of tartar, and salt. And then you can add your favorite spices or herbs or garlic powder. And you separate the eggs and you uh, beat the egg yolks and the cream cheese and the honey and the salt. And in another bowl using an electric mixer, you beat the egg whites with the cream of tartar until they are very firm peaks. You fold the mixture together and then as quickly as possible, you spoon it into rounds on a silicone baking mat Um, or a greased baking sheet, and you bake for about 20 minutes at 300 degrees. It dries out, it puffs up, and then you put it under the broiler so it gets nice and golden brown, and then you eat it hot, standing in front of the oven, right out of the oven, off the baking sheet. And you too, I guarantee, will be amazed. So if you would like to make cloud bread along with me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen, I am posting the recipe and let me know what you think. And please do tune in next Sunday where there will guarantee be more fabulous food in your radio. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off and I hope you continue to eat well. Well.